the upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. Right now, this is Generation Declassified, and you're listening to an all-new New Generation Declassified here exclusively on the two-man power trip of wrestling podcasting empire. If you didn't know by now, my name is Chad, and every single week, actually this one specifically, we sit down for a turkey dinner here in the U.S., and we're going to sit down and review a little Survivor Series action with the great Adam Hughes, Husey, it's Husey, hello, uh, my good longtime close personal friend, my great good friend, Mr. Husey. Hello, Chad. And I think I could speak for most people when we say, well, not even most people speaking for myself, that from the research I did for this, the Survivor Series is shit. <laughs> what? <laughs> it's a shit pay per view. Oh, my God. And uh, where's the out button? I'm going to kick you out. Yeah. The, the, <laughs> the logic of the book and. Here's the thing I hear about uh, in the real world of wrestling, because everybody knows it's real. If you watch a Survivor Series match, uh, someone gets eliminated on the first pinfall attempt. Yes. But if you watch a one-on-one match, it's about 15, 20 minutes of like 30 pinfall attempts. And I just don't understand how on Survivor Series, maybe it's Thanksgiving dinner, everybody's, everybody's like, 50% 50% weaker. <laughs> maybe, maybe preparation's different for your matches. You know, maybe that's what it is. Uh, would banana peels and little roll-ups and uh, like regular suplexes that just pin a guy, that's not uh, not something you like? That's not something you get into? It's not. And uh, from skimming over these events, uh, it really was just as dumb as someone who insists on recording their live show on a Thursday night instead of Wednesday and still expecting me to have it edited and uploaded on Friday afternoon. It's almost like they're an idiot with the inability to listen to common sense from someone who actually knows what they're talking about. I, I guess I happen to agree. You know, that's, uh, that, that seems like it's exactly like that. Now, let me ask you this. Thanksgiving here in the U.S., okay, Survivor Series, it was synonymous for the first few years, okay? The 90, 87 through about 95-ish. It was Thanksgiving, Eve or day. What were you doing? What, what the heck goes on for you? Uh, over here, pretty much the day after Halloween, it's Christmas season. It doesn't get, <laughs> like, official until, uh, well, this weekend, the big trees going up in the city. Okay. But from November 1st, everybody starts playing the music. Uh, getting pissed all the time and having a good time. But Thanksgiving uh, does not exist over here because we don't give a fuck about no pilgrims. We really don't either. It's kind of just like the interlude between Halloween and Christmas now. It's everywhere you go. I mean, we've got Christmas decorations up in the house. You know, we're listening to the music. It's just a, a one room that's decorated for Thanksgiving here. But this show also, with another oddity back in the day, Used to just be in the middle of the week, whether it was Thanksgiving night, which is a Thursday, or Thanksgiving Eve, which was a Wednesday. <sighs> I mean, I remember what it was like oddly watching wrestling on a Wednesday night back then. Now it's it's commonplace. Back then it was weird. But for you guys, it was was a delay. How did you watch a, a Survivor Series pay-per-view? Well, usually uh, it used to be on Sky Sports. They would the, the pay-per-views would go out live. And you you would uh, which is shit because it's on the Sunday and everybody has to get up for work or school on the Monday. So you either have to stay up late and go in really tired or risk having the whole thing spoiled. Which I'm gonna be honest is still a pandemic today. Uh, for some reason, Americans need for you to know what happened at the end of whatever they just watched, whether it's a documentary or a TV show or a film. They will tweet you and tell you exactly what happened, uh, how, what it's leading to. The, so you will not have any surprises. So that's that's one of the reasons why I feel pro wrestling has dipped in popularity so much, especially right. over here, because uh, 
why why would we watch something that we already know everything about? That's always taking me out of tape shows. I, I never was a fan of unless we're talking, you know, the the syndicated shows of the the eighties and nineties. Those I don't mind because they are what they are. But a live show, even in the nineties and early two thousands with Raw, if it was the taped one, I kind of tended to miss it because you read it the next day, you read the results, and it wasn't like oh, I gotta watch it now unless it was something you really wanted to see. The most famous one being the Mick Foley. Mankind defeats the rock that was taped a week before it was broadcast. And that was huge. Yeah. And a perfect example of a live shock would be that time that Tatanka turned hail on Lex Luger. <laughs> That's exactly never right. seen it coming. And when we get to 1994, we will discuss that uh, again uh, in great detail. I, I think that what's missing in this podcast realm, especially with all the ones you and I pop in and out of is a complete retrospective starting from both of their physical debuts in wrestling, leading to their cataclysmic explosion of Lex Luger and Tatanka. I think it's the Chronicles of uh, of Narnia or something. <laughs> I, I'm so in it. It's, <laughs> let's do it. I guess you say the Chronicles of Tatanka Luger. Tatanka. <laughs> I don't know. No, let's say the, the Chronicles <laughs> of... Tatanka. Big knockers. I don't know. Uh, Lex Luger and Tatanka, of course, both sexually harassed Francine. Well, that's up for debate right now. I'm not uh, 100% sure whether I can confirm nor deny it. Um, In 93, which happens to be the first event that we are about to talk about. That's right. So 1993, the Survivor Series, it takes place in Boston, Massachusetts at the legendary Boston Garden. Actually, is the closing show from a wrestling point of view of the Boston Garden. Uh, I look back on this one now. It's one of my favorites of all time. Back in the day, I didn't really like it. Now I have a greater appreciation for it. Uh, but before I get into that, the Survivor Series team model. Okay, so like you said, you don't like how the matches kind of roll out. Do you like the mixture of guys on a Survivor Series team, whether it is just feuds that line up or random collections of superstars? Uh, I liked it. Uh, I preferred it when there was uh, inter was intermitted. Is that a word? Uh, intermingled intermingled feuds so you could get crossovers yes split, split, split offs not the word diversions you could do all these interesting things heel turns face turns i i just think that uh the, the stuff that but i don't like the one the the uh the one by one elimination stuff if, if it was a series of 10 man or four man tag matches and you just let the wrestlers go all out i right. think that would uh, make it better like i think they did that in the 90s with the the broads well i mean the one that comes to mind is the hearts and uh, the uh, the american team at canadian stampede the heart family on one side and then legion of doom austin gold dust ken shamrock i mean that was uh that kind of that's one of the most heralded matches of that era yeah especially because if you watch it back today it's like watching an episode of the walking dead with all these fucking dead people in it. <laughs> that's a good point that's a, uh, a very good point and the Hart family will be brought up here momentarily as they were a huge part of the 1993 uh survivor series so we're going to talk about just the survivor series matches not the singles matches the classic traditional elimination matches uh some of the teams some of the participants I mean, again, I look back at it, maybe I look back at it from a, a nostalgic point of view. I really love the 89, 88, 89, 90 Survivor Series, you know, with the Vince McMahon voiceover, with uh, probably the greatest roster you could possibly put together. Those just seem special. 93 has a little bit taken out, but is like the last dying breath of that Federation era. Yeah, Bobby Heenan on commentary. Uh, mean Gene is in the, I think, first couple Survivor Series reports, but he's actually gone by the time the Survivor Series comes around. You see, see Gorilla Monsoon is floating around. You still see some of the guys from that previous era here. Um, what do you think about, before we get to 93, those classic 88, 89, 90? Do you like those if you look back at them? Yeah, I'm, I'm always up for nostalgia and stuff, but with, with that show, as you said, it was starting to look really stale. Yeah, and it was the same music, and it was the same guy. And Bobby Heenan uh, wasn't this during one of his periods of being, uh, you know, where his al alcoholism had gotten a bit out of control. He's really heavy. 
He's uh, he's he's a little off the cuff, is what we would say in the business. <laughs> yeah, but not, one of the things about this event, I'm going to say, Vince McMahon must have had a heart attack watching it back because production wise, and I don't know the size of the building, but it looks tiny. The Boston Garden. Yeah. No, Boston Garden's really big. It, it's a it's a very big arena, and I. So you're saying you felt it was a small looking venue the way it was shot. Yeah, it looked it was badly shot. Plus, they didn't cover up the basketball floor. Well, they never did at the Boston Garden. That was one of the things. The Boston Garden had a very, very distinct uh, hardwood for their for their floor. It was like um, I can't really get the description of it, but they were you knew we were watching a Boston Celtics game when they were in the Boston Garden. So you can't really cover it. Uh, I, I just have to point out that people from Boston, you're not Irish. <laughs> okay. Yeah, they are. Come on, they sing and they drink. Come on, they're they're Irish. Yeah, just because <laughs> of that fucking dropkick Murphy song, <laughs> you're not Irish. And if you think you are Irish, come to Belfast and walk into the pub and start talking about how you're Irish. And after you go to the hospital, see if you want to do it again. <laughs> when you start to uh, eat solid food again, then you can uh, <laughs> you can start to comment on it. Uh, now, so this, uh, so you're saying it looks small. So now, if you watched back in the day when they would do the house shows from the Boston Garden, the entryway was head on, kind of like how Madison Square Garden was, where the entryway was right dead center of the hard camera. But they moved it off to the side, and it's a little awkward. It's got like a weird, like kind of like I don't know what you would call like a perpendicular ramp or something or walkway it's not head on to the camera so is that why you're saying you don't like the positioning of the 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 camera yeah and they did a thing where um with the camera usually uh the the, the the what they call the hard camera it's at an angle it's either uh, shooting up or shooting down but this one was shooting directly ahead so everybody looked kind of short okay like, i just i just think that overall it was a uh, a badly produced show Fair enough. It's uh, it's one that again I look back on a little bit more fond than I did at the time. Uh, I thought the show was a little weak back in the day. Uh, let's look at some of these matches here. One, two, three, kid, Marty Janetti, Razor Ramon, and what was originally supposed to be Mister Perfect turned out to be the Macho Man Randy Savage in a mystery reveal take on Adam Bomb Diesel IRS Rick Martel. Now that's a pretty good damn team if I look at it on that heel side, but the babyface side. That's a strong team, especially with what everybody would end up doing in their careers. I, I always like this one. The Macho Man reveal was huge because Mr. Perfect took a sabbatical that was still, I think, questioned to this day. Yeah, and plus uh, in my notes, I wrote that a uh, first uh, Macho Man pay-per-view appearance as a wrestler since the Royal Rumble. So yes. extra special. And the ironic thing is if you check a past episode – of uh, this new generation podcast that Chad and I did. We spoke about how at one point the, the planned WrestleMania match was going to be Razor versus Macho Man, which ended up being cancelled due to bad house show matches. But i got to say that, I don't know it's old news, but when you see Scott Hall walking to the entrance, walking to the ring, he just looks so fucking cool. Yeah. Uh, and, and he's in shape and he's handsome and his music is great. It is insane that he never got the the main event push. Like maybe he was the guy that could have not done the real American gimmick, but he could have become the star of the time instead of Lex Luger. If it was a few years down the road, I think absolutely you're you're 100 right. But he kind of I think he fit perfectly where he was as a supporting cast at that point in 93, but in 93, he was probably his biggest that he was in, in terms of his bulk in his WWF run, which is funny because they really had quote unquote drug testing and steroid testing in 93 coming off the, uh, the steroid scandals, but the macho man inclusion. Yes. First appearance since the rumble on pay-per-view, but also, it was, he wrestled on TV, but not that much. So for that music to hit in the Boston Garden, a place where he won his first Intercontinental Championship, the crowd goes apeshit when the music hits. And it's awesome to watch. And you hear what Vince on commentary is great because you see how much Vince really dug the Macho Man. And it's, it's crazy to see how it ended. But the Macho Man probably got the biggest pop of the entire show when his music hit. Oh, definitely. But... 
the thing that popped me the most in rewatching Survivor Series '93 was that in another match, uh, the Hearts versus the, the which was called the King's Court, despite the fact that it was Shawn Michaels <laughs> instead of Jerry Lawler. Uh, Brad Hart comes out in the gayest wrestling costume <laughs> you will ever see. We will see. get he there. We will get there. <laughs> you might as well have walked to the ring with two glasses of cum and smashed them like Austin beers. <laughs> uh, we'll get there. Hold your horses. Hold your horses. Uh, okay. So they don't have team names for these two teams. Okay. Some other years we have all team names. This year we have half team names. Give me a team name for the one, two, three kid, Janetti. Randy Savage and Razor Ramon. It's uh, Team Drugs. <laughs> a kid, uh, a murderer, a yeah. macho man, and a bad guy. <laughs> yeah. A murderer? Okay. Well, remember the story about Marty Jannetty with the uh, the guy he, uh, he claimed to uh, dispose uh, of behind the bowling alley? <laughs> excellent. Man, that's recall right there. Uh, moving along, the Hart family uh, against Shawn Michaels and his Knights. Thank you very much. It was originally the King's Court. Uh, Jerry Lawler in a bit of legal trouble uh, during this time. If we wanted to go back to the record, it would be for accused sodomy on an underage girl in the mm. Memphis area. He was cleared of all the charges, uh, but nonetheless, it took him off TV for quite some time. Uh, Shawn Michaels replacing him, who was also off TV beforehand for a little bit of time. Uh, Shawn Michaels having some issues with uh, some performance-enhancing drugs. Uh, slotted in here the week before the Survivor Series took place, Shawn Michaels replaces Jerry Lawler. That's a huge replacement because this was technically the double main event, the Hart family and the Knights. It is, and one of the things that always stuck out for me was that uh, one of the knights, the, the big guy in the white costume, yes. his name is Jeff Gaylord. Yes, it is. <laughs> Why you would that like stick Gaylord? out to you? Oh, I, uh, Jeff Gaylord, longtime journeyman uh, pro wrestler. We refer to him as Jeff Bottom Right on this airwaves. Yeah, not that there's anything wrong with that. There is not. Now, you pointed out Bret Hart's... Uh, attire maybe not being to the liking of Husey where it was the traditional Brett singlet but instead of it being the long pants that tucked into the boots this was cut off at around mid thighs so you're not a big fan of especially he was in pink the rest were in black you're not a big fan of the Bret Hart attire it it didn't make any sense at all why they would do it and uh, the 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 Hart brothers like that family are fucking marks like if this was 2021 you know they'd all be podcasters. Well, Bruce Hart did have a, a podcast at some point. You know, uh, uh, Brett, I think, might have dabbled. What do you think about when you see this picture? Uh, <laughs> is that not the guy who used to ring the bell? <laughs> uh, I have visuals today uh, for those listening. Uh, I actually have a visual in front of us. It is not uh, timekeeper Mark Yeaton. That is Keith Hart of the Hart family, then a substitute. No, he was the fireman of the group. Uh, do you think for the family feud, maybe we should have borrowed uh, somebody else just in case Keith Hart wasn't really striking fear in the hearts of Shawn Michaels and the Knights? Yeah, I probably would have given Jim the Anvil a call, seeing if he was available. Uh, that, that's the problem with this match is it's fucking uh, Brad and Owen being in it is great. Than some other two cunts. <clears throat> Bruce isn't terrible, but Bruce is really small, you know, and he had a Napoleon complex or still does have a Napoleon complex. See, Bruce thought that he was going to be getting the Owen spot. And that was always rumored that Bruce thought he was getting the Owen feud that Owen got. Uh, the slow burn on Owen turning is magnificent in retrospect especially when you go all the way back to the beginning of the year and the Razor Ramon feud with Bret Hart, where Owen gets taken out by uh, Razor backstage. It's kind of the first on-air acknowledgement that these two were brothers, you know, in the same frame. That's we knew it, but it was they were finally linked together. That whole year, it was Owen's coming up. Owen's doing this in the shadow of his brother to slow burn in November. They they say Vince McMahon's out of his mind now, but that's genius stuff to think that far ahead. That that is the the only saving grace of this pay per view because. One of the great uh, things of, of these classic pay-per-views is, uh, of course, you watch them in hindsight, 
So like like the main event and the the upcoming match we're about to mention, you can skip them all, and <laughs> you, you'll miss out on nothing. But this the Owen versus Breath's one of the greatest, most classic storylines uh, ever. There, man. Yeah. So uh, yeah, yeah. So that the, the, watch the the ending of this match. That that's the only reason to tune in the Survivor Series. So you're almost watching this show in reverse. Because I kind of feel like you get the high point at the beginning with the Macho Man, you get this part with the uh, the brothers and uh, the knights, then you get um, what would follow. So you're not a big fan of this, I would take it. That that's just I don't understand the logic behind that. <laughs> Explain what we're looking at, uh, if you don't mind. Uh, two African American gentlemen and two. Retards known as the Bushwhackers. It's for some reason men in a mission and the Bushwhackers came out as Team Doink uh, to wrestle. Who was it? The the Bam Bam and the Bash and Burger and the Head Shrinkers? Bam Bam, Bash and Burger, Head Shrinkers with Afa uh, on the outside. Yes. By the way, do you want to hear my uh, gimmick? I'm going to pitch Disco Inferno. Let's hear it. It's called Afa David. It's the baby face <laughs> Samoan lawyer. <laughs> and he's going to sentence you to 20 minutes of hard beating. Very nice. Can you hit him in the head? Does he feel the pain? Uh, no, but he feels the pain for the justice he seeks. <laughs> Very nice. Yeah, no, this match is fucking horrible. See, the thing I hear about comedy matches is when they sell for the for the dumb comedy spots and the banana peel shit. And it's just, it, it's. The, see, this is the thing. People go, oh, what's Vince McMahon doing today and all this stupid shit? He's always done this stupid it's shit. It's always been in there. He's always loved the food fights. He's always loved this stuff. I mean, look, Saturday night's main event, <clears throat> excuse me, had an Oktoberfest where they were all dressed in the German, you know, uh, lederhosen. So, I mean, come on. I mean, he's always done this. But now let's point this out, too. So Doink the Clown, famously portrayed by Matt Bourne, was fired for drug reasons, leading to them needing a doink. So there was no doink to be had. It was going to be four doinks. Whether or not this was the exact plan at the time, the mind games with Bam Bam, which, you know, that Matt Bourne doink, there was some heavy shit that went on with that character. But when he was taken away and he was replaced by Ray Apollo, who would be a more happy-go-lucky, jovial doink, you got this. You got an elimination by a water balloon. You got an elimination by a banana peel. You got a tricycle that almost crushed, I believe, Bushwhacker Luke's head in the middle of the ring. Uh, I mean, it's just, look, it was great. They both, the Bushwhackers and Men on a Mission got huge pops when they came out. When the doink music hit and it turned into the Bushwhacker and the Men on a Mission music, huge response from the fans. But the, the, the we'll take the balloon uh, uh, analogy, slowly fizzled out. As the match went on, yeah, you know who I think they should have made the new doink. Who would that be? Jeff Gaylord. <laughs> yeah, <it> was <laughs> sitting right there wearing Bret Hart's pink uh, spandex uh, <laughs> in the middle of the ring. Yeah, he could his finishing move could have been the tombstone, and instead of hitting him with the move, he just falls backwards and always gets pinned. <laughs> but he leaves with a smile on his face. <laughs> Not or that there's Jan- anything wrong with that. Or Giant Gonzalez make him a doink. Uh, that would have been interesting. But, hey, Mabel, you know, Mabel was a big doink. So it was, uh, I mean, just to see this picture with these four. Uh, and you fa- very famously, Mo, on uh, a very old archive two-man power trip of wrestling episode, basically uh, to- told us that he was just approached kind of last minute, and they said, go to makeup, you're a doink tonight. And he was like, what the hell are you guys talking about? And then this is what happened. So these guys didn't even know that they were going to be uh, in the middle of the ring as doinks later on. Uh, if if uh, Mabel and Mo worked out of Chilera, you know that Vince would have given Mo a uh, real estate gimmick, <laughs> and he would be called Home Mo <laughs> and Jeff Gaylord. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna try. The, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna try to focus. The fart here. attack. <laughs> oh my gosh! I'm trying to go through my pictures now. You're lo- making me uh, lose my train of thought. Uh, the main event, okay? Yeah, here it is. So, for you and I and our discussions that we had, this kind of reeks of like every conversation we've discussed on these airwaves. Uh, originally supposed to be Lex Luger, the Steiner brothers, and Tatanka, 
battling Yokozuna, Ludwig Borga, and as Todd Pettengill continually calls them, the Quebecers, the All-Americans versus the Foreign Fanatics. This did not take place, this match. You know what always uh, makes me shocked that the uh, that, the, that top team of the All-Americans is that people always talk about how Vince doesn't like to push WCW stuff. That, that basically is a WCW <laughs> yeah. lineup. Yeah, it really is. And they were all booked very strong. Obviously, you know, certain things didn't fall in certain guys' uh, directions. Uh, but, you know, being what it is, another match with two last-minute changes. Uh, Tatanka taken out uh, around uh, October and eventually replaced by The Undertaker. And I think one of my most favorite segments of this era where The Undertaker reveals the uh, the American flag inside his cloak and uh oddly pierre replaced by crush and whether or not it's to get randy savage back out and another huge pop for him in the main event on paper the match looks great the uh the iconic um uh, pay-per-view poster with the uh the guys eating the turkey with their forks <laughs> no that that is good that's that's good but i don't know this whole thing the fact that this didn't lead the luger beating uh what's his name Borga. Borga. And then I personally, in hindsight, I would have put Macho Man in Undertaker's place and Taker could have maybe done the other one. Correct. I don't know, but uh, that's just in hindsight. But uh, yeah, this is a nothing match because Ludwig Borga looks great, but he was shit. He was worse than Jeff Gaylord. Uh, or And it's, it's just it's a nothing match with zero rewatch value at all. Yeah, and the appearance of Santa Claus after uh, the victory. So Luger gets a count-out victory at SummerSlam and uh, doesn't win the world title. Then he beats Ludwig Borga to uh, cap off the Survivor Series victory to celebrate with Santa Claus. So they, this guy got the shaft left and right. Oh, uh, <laughs> He got the yeah, gift, Jeff Gaylord. <laughs> yeah, he gets shafted worse than Homo and Jeff Gaylord in the 90s. <laughs> but uh, if you watch uh, the, the network, the uh, version – or Peacock in America, it opens with uh, Lex Luger doing like a, a Thanksgiving yeah, the blessing. family yeah. warning. It's like, fuck off. Come on, you don't like the blessing of uh, of Lex Luger? Come on, he was the all-American guy. Now, we got to point out with Borga, last pay-per-view appearance, so he didn't have many, but this was his last. He would get injured around the Royal Rumble. He's out of the Royal Rumble. I did a whole episode with John Paz about Ludwig Borga. John might be the only Ludwig Borga fan left on planet Earth. Maybe because certain ideologies line up to one another. I don't know. I haven't revealed that just yet. But nonetheless, the only Borga fan I know is him. But this was it for Borga. Now, they went on the house shows, Luger and Borga, for for months, leading to a, a, a just blow-off pin at the Survivor Series. Like you said, Borga was unbeatable, but he got beat very easily at Survivor Series. Yeah, I, I, it happens every year. Uh, that's why I don't really like watching it anymore. Uh, plus, was, was Borga was he around before or after that Next Generation storyline uh, with Star Trek? Uh, I don't know. Borga was this is completely why? What's that? I'm, oh, Borga, you uh, the Borg, the Borg, right? Yes. I'm not even a Star Trek fan, and I got that. I don't know. I can't. I can't confirm or deny that. I am Lacutus. So I love that era. I'm sure you would. Um, ninety four. Okay, 94, famously the Chuck Norris uh, Survivor Series, but that's not a match we're going to talk about. Yeah. Uh, but they brought back team names. They did. They also brought one of the shittest, most boring pay-per-views ever. Uh, it's something very strange where there's just there's an atmosphere of dumbness, and I don't know how to explain it. I don't know if it's the crowd, if it's just it's the matches aren't good enough. There's something really boring about uh, Survivor Series 94. It's very, yeah, I would agree. It's very long. Whereas the other one I did feel 93 kind of flies. It's a quick show. There are some matches. The Heavenly Bodies and the Rock and Roll Express is on that show, 93. It's, it moves at a fast pace. You, you got these Survivor Series elimination matches, a casket match that's pretty long, and then the Bret Hart-Bob Backlund title match that just went on and on and on forever. What a fucking pile of shit. Like, the... That that's one of those things again. People say, "Oh, today WWE stinks." It's like, no, it sucked for a lot longer than the last two, three years. There, man. 
it has its peaks and valleys. Uh, I'm going to say the highlight of this is this picture here. Look at this team. Very cool. That's funny you say that. One of my notes I'm going to say that you could see in that entrance and that whole the atmosphere coming from those guys that that was the initial vibe of, I guess you would call it like the attitude era, the end yeah. Yeah. of their heels, but they're coming across as cool. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. If, uh, in hindsight, uh, maybe take Jeff Jarrett out, but that could have been an incredible faction on TV. It could have been, yeah. No, it really could have. I, 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 I kind of like him in the match because of where he would end up going at the end of the year. He'd go towards the icy belt with uh, with Razor Ramon. But you got the Teamsters. Horrible, horrible shit name. But the King of Hearts, the tag team champions, the guy who would become the world champion mere days later in a dominating performance, completely just uh, takes over the match. Uh, and Jim the Emil Neidhart, who automatically raises the stock of the team. Uh, what a t- what a team! Shawn Michaels. This is this is probably the best Survivor Series team of this era. It is. But one thing I have to say, I wrote in my notes that this match is surprisingly shit. It uh, is not a good match, though. Yeah, when you as you mentioned, you get Nash, Shawn Michaels, Owen Hart, Anvil, Jeff Jarrett, and they're going up against what Razor Ramon, the Bulldog, One Two Three Kid, and the Head Shrinkers. In hindsight, you would assume this is going to be a classic rewatchable match. It's boring as fuck. Yeah. After uh, D-Wall, the, the classic Diesel, Shawn Michaels, Miss Q breaks up their team. Diesel gets counted out, I believe. It's very dumb. Razor is the survivor. But remember, this is the Head Shrinkers, but this is Sioni, a.k.a. the Barbarian. So it's not even the original Head Shrinkers. This is replacement Head Shrinker. Very yeah, slow sad- match. Yeah, it's sadly... This was the, the highlight of the show, and it's the highlight of the show despite being a bad match. 21 minutes, 45 seconds for the Survivor Series match. doesn't feel like it. It feels much longer. Yeah, it's it's nothing. And even weirdly, Shawn Michaels does nothing apart nothing. from the finish. Like, was, right. was he injured, do you know? I don't know if he was, but remember now also in that summer, he did really nothing. They were the tag champs. I mean, they... They had tag matches, you know, but he was at ringside for SummerSlam 94. He, he didn't have a match. He wins the 95 Rumble, but I don't remember him having a, a uh, like an injury. I mean, he had issues the year before that were discussed, but that's about it. Uh, also, one thing about this match is Shawn Michaels' hair loss was very, very noticeable because he went for this very strange look where he tied the rest of his, like his mullet up into this like ponytail so it looked like he had short hair with the ponytail, yeah. but you can really see how much he's standing on top. And uh, yet, for some reason, he's gassed out. Yeah, I remember the rumor being that it was actually a hair extension, that braid, because it was so different than what he had had up to that point that I remember there being rumors that it was actually a like a piece that was on. But, but yeah, th- this match very disappointing, but it's got some of the best wrestlers ever. So for the chance to see them in the well, plus, uh, as you mentioned, Chad showed the photograph. The Teamsters got a great pop for that pose. Yeah, because a giant pyro went off, and although uh, Jim the Anvil probably could have worked on his uh, pose better. <laughs> what are you talking about? He's the Anvil. He's just gonna grab the uh, his beard and go, yeah, baby. He should have grabbed his beard while uh, kept Macho Man away from his daughter. <laughs> By the way, have you seen Natalia Neidhart's videos with her sister? No. Why? Should I check them out? Yes, but they're creepy because they're sisters, but they're, it's kind of like incesty, weirdy type atmosphere, but <laughs> I hope to make more. <laughs> yeah, close family. What do you want? You know, they, 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 they keep it. They keep it where I guess they need to keep it. Um, the next match, I don't, I'm not even going to bring up a picture. It's my most hated survivor series match in history. Uh, doink, dink, wink and pink versus cheesy, sleazy, uh, con Yeezy and, uh, Jerry Lawler. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's just horrible. Like it's, and it's, it's, it's terrible. <laughs> yeah. And it's embarrassing. Uh, it should never have happened though. Here's a little live update. Uh, Billy body's video. We've been recording for 34 minutes. It finally fucking downloaded uh, <laughs> all because he doesn't know how to send an email. Like, Jesus Christ. 
And now it's going to take me about three hours to edit this. And I'm the one who's going to get in the shit uh, in the house because I've been up here all day. This stupid English cunt. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Do you get a reprieve though because you're with me for this like little bit of time? And then, you know, Chadster's always over with everybody. So this, this is what I was okay with. But doing the, oh God, I can't wait for him to fall out with Conan. Just hurry up and do it. <laughs> TikTok. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's all you can say is TikTok. Uh, the main events. Okay. I, we're, we're done with the, the, the clowns. Clowns are us was their team name. The creative genius again, Vince McMahon. Clowns are us. That was the best one. They, that's a Bruce Pritchard name. We'll just say it like that. Why not the circus of fun? <laughs> uh, well, the main event has a Vince McMahon uh, team name written all over it. Okay. That is uh, Guts and Glory taking on the million dollar team. What I refer to you as um, the shit million dollar team versus the Guts and Glory team. A 23-minute snoozer of a main event at Survivor Series, concluding with Lex Luger getting beat. <laughs> yeah, it's it's terrible. See, this is the other thing. Is that One of the things about the WWE never did well is portrayed, or I don't know if that's the right word, their factions well. And despite having the, like, the Hart family and the Heenan family and all that stuff, they were never booked as a faction. It was just always a manager with a bunch of heels uh, and with the million dollar team and you see them all backstage, this could have been the, the chance to uh, do something a lot better, but no, this is just more shit over and over again. Uh, uh, boring. It's just terrible. And, th- and it's times like this when you can really see why uh, Luger probably was thinking I'm fucking out of here. Like yeah. Macho Man and Hogan are in WCW, Sting's are um, gone. It, it wasn't really that. I mean, look, they're building Bam Bam Bigelow because he's going to have the big Lawrence Taylor match at WrestleMania. Okay, so he'd have a big spot at Royal Rumble. Bundy was just coming back in, so you're establishing Bundy as a uh, you know as a powerhouse, which obviously would not last very long. And Bundy still, I, all the conversations I had with him about this era didn't get why he wasn't used the way they thought he was going to be used. Uh, he squashes Luger. They win, but there's nothing done, and Luger sucks. I mean, he looks like a fool. Yeah, it's all in all, a, a, there's nothing about this pay-per-view. Like, it shouldn't exist. Uh, by the way, good time to mention the IB exclusives private signing with Lex Luger after I said uh, he looks like a fool. He doesn't look like a fool when he signs his name. His yeah, autograph is very cool. <laughs> Lex Luger, no fool for doing business with Chad. No. Chad's not going to use him like shit on like Vince McMahon. <laughs> exactly. That's what I've been trying to say the whole time. Uh, so, yeah, 93 versus 94, 93 all day, 94. Just a skip, skip fest in every sense of the word. Yeah, and, and also one of the things I'm just going to say, this was the end of the era of sound effect and which music where if you remember – uh, Diesel's music was literally just a fucking engine. Uh, IRS's music was a was a, a typewriter or a, or a fax machine or something. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Uh, they they were not very creative with that, but whatever. Uh, Ninety five. Uh, one thing I want to point out: it's not a Survivor Series match. This took place in Landover, Maryland. They call it Washington D.C. It's not. It is. It's. It's not. Clo- it's not far, but it's not close to Washington D.C. The Capitol Center, another classic venue. The dark match on this show is the smoking guns defeat the public enemy. R- really? Yeah. How random is that? Holy shit. I did not know that was happening, but I have to say that 95 is definitely uh, overall production wise and match quality show wise an improvement. I would agree. I, I would have, I would agree. Although less people watching the 95 versus 94 because people were tuned out because of 94. <laughs> Might have told you something. Uh, here's the first one. The Body Donnas, Skip, Rad Radford, Dr. Tom, and the 123 Kid taking a newly minted heel 123 Kid taking on the underdogs, Marty Jannetty, Hakushi, Barry Horowitz, and Bob Holly. Barry Horowitz got a pay-per-view payoff this year. Yeah, this uh, match, you know, it's... It is actually a very good one. It is. But it, it basically, it's very weird. It's the battle of the jobbers. It really is. <laughs> and, and and Sonny, of course, looked incredible. Uh, 
it's it, it, but though this is one I would go back to watch. This would be kind of like uh, the cruiserweight division uh, version of WWE, which was never going to happen. But yeah, I, plus I remember the uh, the match well that Marty Jannetty hit Skip with the top rope power bomb, which I didn't know was physically possible. And yeah. I I can't imagine that they were allowed to do that backstage. He just decided to do it anyway. It's a Chris Candido spot, so that's why I thought it's interesting. It's getting used on Chris Candido, so that's that has it was a textbook move of Candido post WWF, but it's absolutely a, a Candido spot. Now Janetti looks very strong in this match, and he was kind of getting a renewed push around this time, um, and it made sense because the one two three kid they were former tag team champions, but now the kid is a heel. Uh, I didn't mind the turn. I liked how it was done. This is probably the high point of him being a heel. It goes down after this, but uh, I thought he looked awesome in this match. I thought this is a very this is better than the whole entire '94 show. This one match. <laughs> yeah, this is when you could see the the influence of the click coming in, and there's a lot of like layered storylines and how it's connecting throughout the show. Yes, uh, like it's it's. Uh, and as you mentioned, the booking of the, the one, two, three kid was a heel. He'd linked up with the million dollar man and said it was uh, it was a great time. I loved it. Uh, how about this one? This is an eight. Uh, this is a 10 minute and one second Survivor Series elimination match. Bertha Faye, Aja Kong, Tomoko Watanabe and Lioness Asuka with Harvey Whippleman taking on uh, Alundra Blaze, Kayoka Inahu. Sakaki Hashigawa and I don't know. I'm not going to say the last one. I don't know how to say it. Jeff Gaylord. <laughs> yeah. The translation, Jeff Gaylord. This had no business being on pay-per-view in 1995. Nobody cared back then. No, uh, th- this is the, see, here's the, the problem with women's wrestling is uh, at least in this match, not a lot of them were good enough to be there. And, it's the, the only reason why I would say go back and rewatch it is for the sheer level of uh, no cells. Like it's like everybody knows wrestling's fake, but they're literally falling down and then just casually standing up as if they're going to go for a piss. It's it's uh, and you can, and then with and this Alundra Blaze, like she would get frustrated behind the scenes. It's like well, tough shit. Like you can see why it's not working. Yeah, this was bad. I mean, and again, like you said, the weak maneuvers to to get a pin, it was just like these weird like uh, bridges. And I I don't get the appeal of women's wrestling a lot. This is probably the high point of not getting it because this was not good. Bad. B-A-double-D. We used the double D for the women's match. Huh? Come on. You like that? (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Uh, How about this? The dark side defeats the Royals. Now, the dark side, otherwise known as the BSK, take on the team of Mabel and three bona fide Hall of Fame superstar legends in every sense of the word as Undertaker, Savio Vega, Fatu, and Henry Godwin take on the team of Mabel, Jerry the the King Lawler, Kane, and Triple H. And I'm going to call them that because this is the first pay-per-view interaction of the Undertaker and Kane, then portrayed as Isaac Yankum. Yeah, it um, it's this this one. This is one of these matches where, like, I understand that the Undertaker in real life is tough, but he went into this match with a broken orbital bone. Yeah, it's like couldn't you just give him fucking Jeff Gaylord the call? And he did the whole match. He yeah, did. He, he eliminated everybody. I understand that you want to be tough for the boys in the back, boy, but that was just stupid. But yeah, not bad. And as you say, the BSK, that's the thing that I find, that's the thing that in hindsight makes that match so interesting to see because they don't talk much about the, the that sort of shit. But Undertaker probably like, uh, I want that guy, that guy, and that guy. Because <laughs> there's really no, like, there's no crossover besides... Uh, Hunter Hearst Helmsley and Henry Godwin. Besides that, who's Savio Vega pairing up with? Waller? Like who? Yeah. Well, there's no point. It was just a collection of guys. Savio Vega is still wrestling to this day. And yeah, and he looks great. You know, he's uh, he's still uh, doing his thing. Uh, how about the fact that Fatu was in the midst of that awful making a difference? Uh, Fatu. <laughs> yeah. 
little, little did we know though that uh, at the time in his balls, two of the uh, wrestlers who determined to a mark today were about to arrive on the scene, and uh, con- congratulations to those balls. That's true. I don't even think the Usos were born, were they? In 1995, were they? Uh, were they? Were they a glimmer in his eye at this point? Uh, barely even a scratch in his balls. <laughs> you know, Jeff Gaylord was barely even checking them out. But of course, uh, the retailer uh, Home Mo was there with Mabel, the house seller. The the realtor, not retailer. The oh, realtor. realtor I, I baking powder. That's okay. Me. That's fine. You acted more like a bottom left than a bottom right that time. See. <laughs> Uh, the dark side wins undertaker dominates the match. This is my favorite match of this show. Uh, I love that they did. They took a gamble on this. They never did it again. The wild card match. Yeah. See that again, this is a great match. Uh, but the thing about it that I liked, uh, what, what they did kind of do it today with the raw versus SmackDown shit, but they don't play into it as much as it being, Heels and faces teaming up. It's just brand supremacy who gives a right. Fuck. They're automatically friends because they're on the same show. Yeah, yeah. That's that's. Uh, I remember Bruce Pritchard saying something like booking this caused too much backstage problems, which is why it was dropped from future shows. But I say just do it. Just mix it up. Have uh, people who are already feuding on the same side. Yeah, it was tough. Yeah, Shawn Michaels, Ahmed Johnson, who debuted at this show. The British Bulldog, Psycho Sid with Cornette DiBiase taking on Yokozuna, Owen Hart, Razor Moan, and my good buddy, the Dean, uh, mm. as, as probably portrayed as the weakest guy in this match. He's beat, I think, with like a cross arm bar, <laughs> and he's yeah. eliminated. But but that, that's all. That's the problem with the Survivor Series concept. Is somebody always looks really bad. Whoever goes out first in any match, you get jobbed out. The match immediately continues, and you just walk out the silence while nobody else is watching you. This is about where he decided he was going to quit, was this show. Because they go to Richmond the next night, and that's when he quit. Or put it in his mind, he was done. He just knew that that the journey was over. But look at where they have the Dean positioned with... Shawn Michaels, who obviously they're getting behind. The Bulldog, who's freshly heel and a monster at this point. Sid, who was always a monster and over. Yoko, former champ. Owen Hart, always in the middle of things. Razor Ramon. So Dean is right there. So he's positioned in a top spot, but he's literally booked like a joke and gone in like the first five minutes of the match. Yeah, it, it's ridiculous. Well, that's, that's the again, the influence of the click. Yeah, no, you're 100% right. Yeah, and if it's around this era, you could see how on certain pay-per-views, like what was the, the pay-per-view? Was it the month before uh, In Your House 4 when Douglas was given the IC belt and then immediately yeah. had lost at the Razor? It just made him look like a dick. And look at that. Look at that. There's the bulk. I put the picture up on the screen. I mean, just the colors alone that stand out in this picture are unbelievable. But... It's you're you're one hundred percent right. Influenced by the click because Shawn Michaels looks great. Razor Ramon he looks great. Shane gets shit on completely. Everybody else looks moderately strong throughout the match. It's uh it's a complete uh, burial by the click. Definitely rewatchable. That's right. Well, we won't bore you any longer with your big yawn. I try to cover it up with the uh, <laughs> with the picture. Uh, but nineteen ninety six, the next year, Madison Square Garden. A uh, couple interesting points about this. There was supposed to be a return at this show that at the last minute did not happen. I think we talked about it once before. Do you remember what this was? Uh, Was it Macho Man? Yes. Yes. 1996. So we'll pull up the, uh, the, the results here just so we can run them off fresh. Again, Madison Square Garden. They did the Hall of Fame ceremony the night before. It was a big deal, I remember at the time. A large, large promotional spree around the New York, New Jersey area. They were in the newspapers, all the the TV shows surrounding the New York uh, metro area. Unbelievable stuff. Uh, One Survivor Series match is cut. We'll talk about that in a second. But the match that the Macho Man was supposed to be in was uh, the the interesting team of uh, Savio Vega, uh, Flash Funk, uh, and who was the other one in this one? Yoko, Yokozuna, and a mystery man. 
who ended up being the Superfly, who was inducted the night before at the Hall of Fame, supposed to be the Macho Man, who, if you remember in your WCW television watching, beaten by Hulk Hogan at Halloween Havoc and free agent at this point. What would you have done if Macho Man came back in 96? Uh, likely would have shit myself. <laughs> but at the same time, uh, as much as I love the Macho Man, do you think he would have fit in? No, he would have gone right back to where he was in 94. Yeah. But uh, I actually wrote in my notes here that as much as I don't like uh, the Survivor Series, uh, 96 is by far one of my favorite WWE events ever. And I wrote the most historically significant WWE pay-per-view ever. Uh, yeah. Here's some of the stuff that uh, I-, I took note of that happened. You had the Rock debut. Yep. Uh, the Nation of the Domination began. Yep. Triple H dropped his you know, snob gimmick or was, was just about to, just about to Shawn Michaels stopped that, you know, started his tweener run of, of, you know, the attitude era, uh, stone cold, Steve Austin moved up a level. And I have to say this, Brad Hart was exposed. Now explain, even though we're not talking about, uh, the, uh, the survivor series, uh, <laughs> uh, non-matches. Why, why would you say that? Well, Bret Hart came back, and I was reading up on this uh, in 96 after a lot of rumors that he was going to WCW for the NWO. But then it was confirmed that he was coming back to the uh, Survivor, WWE Survivor Series. And the pay-per-view buy rate for the show is not great. No. So it's like Bret Hart, despite the fact that he has a lot of fans, is not a draw. He's, it, it's it's hard to say because it, I don't know how many people were really getting behind this match at this point because Austin was on his way up, but Brett's declaration on TV, oh, I want to wrestle Steve Austin, in the eyes of the viewer, you're like, eh, yeah. that's not really doing it for me at this point. I, don't, I just think that Brett came back and he was kind of, it reminds me a lot of like what CM Punk's doing today, where it's like, yeah, you took your time off and you're good and all, but now you're just coming back and you're kind of stale and you're boring and we're ready for something else. But uh, that being said, this match, uh, this whole event is almost entirely rewatchable. Yes. The main event is one of my favorite matches ever. And, and I've talked about this before on the air. You don't understand that Madison Square Garden crowd at that point hated Shawn Michaels. They would have cheered anybody. They would have cheered Yokozuna. They would have cheered Vader. They would have cheered anybody who was across the ring that night because they hated Shawn Michaels. Not over in New York. Yeah, but th- that's the this crowd is fucking like incredible. Like, are we going to go through the, uh, the 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 matches and teams? Yeah, absolutely. So I mentioned the uh, the one that the Superfly joined that was supposed to be uh, the, the Macho Man on paper. Uh, their opponents, of course. Uh, this is a weird one. <laughs> I guess you would say Vader would be the captain uh, of this team, right? It's a, it's hard to say why he wouldn't be, but his ragtag uh, team of uh, Diesel, Isaac Yankum, a.k.a. Glenn Jacobs, Razor, Big Titan, Rick Bogner, and the debuting Nation of Domination, Farouk. Uh, it's, yeah. a, it's a great team with Farouk and Vader, but these other two guys in the middle of it didn't really fit. Yeah. It was uh, really weird, but and then of course Flash Funk debuted with his two hoes. That's the other one. I that's a good point. He but he debuts with the yes, well the Funkettes. His exit from ECW completely telegraphed this debut because unless you watched ECW the week before Survivor Series, you would have had no idea that this was supposed to be a Flash dancing, you know, trippy. Pimp essentially in the middle of New York City. Yeah, but th- this is the um. But the one th- I noticed as well with this event is that the entranceway was badly organized because the fans are like leaning over, yes. trying to grab all the women. So the wrestlers are afraid. The rat the 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 women don't want to be afraid. The wrestlers don't want to be touched by these fucking nerds. It's uh that that's one of those ones where Vince could have maybe designed it a little uh, more sensibly. <laughs> Well, when they put the Raw screen there, I was there for the first ever Raw at Madison Square Garden. So the the head-on hard camera entrance, the traditional Madison Square Garden one, was moved this way to come out of a different side. Completely cuts off the garden when you do it that way. So they had no choice but to keep it in that smaller entranceway, even if you go to SummerSlam 98 
where they have the gates, right? Those weird gates that they had for uh, the entrance. And uh, Royal Rumble 2000, very similar, where it's like a kind of gate entryway. That's the best entrance from the locker room. It's, yeah. It's right there. But the, again, but the other thing I love about this is that uh, Barry Windham has quite possibly the, the not yeah look at that ring gear the, how did look at that team like fucking uh jake roberts looks like shit barry windham looks like he's uh like he when he, he looks like kyle reese just arrived in the the city and he's grabbing every camel he's on the run and the rocks hair uh, towards the end of this match, it honestly looks like he has a pineapple afro <laughs> on his head. <laughs> like it, it's the shittest fucking hairstyle. And, and Jake not really hitting the uh, the tanning booth, uh, you know, as well. <laughs> no, and, and Sable uh, was weirdly covered up, considering she's so much of a dirty whore. But this was a weird transition because Sable and Mark Merrow up to this point were in leather. And the wild man and the whips and the, you know, the, 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 this, they used to do this all the time to then they came out as this like glam duo where she's in like this bedazzled, like, uh, evening dress. And he's in these red, you know, like, uh, pattern trunks. It changed the whole vibe of what they were. They were, he's in the vest. He's got the crazy hair, the Fu Manchu to now he's like mild mannered reserved, you know, uh, Mark Merrow. Yeah. But he's a, it always fascinated me that he did the shooting star press as a finisher because he couldn't do the move. And every time he did it, you could see that he was hurting himself. <laughs> Just did it in a, in a, uh, uh, ocean like two weeks ago on his Twitter. <laughs> yeah. That was uh, ridiculous. How in shape he is at that age. And he actually, he looks very similar to how he looks right there in this picture I put up from this team. Now you got to point out Barry Windham, the stalker, the stalker debuts very stupidly in all camouflage coming out of the water, face painted, uh, camouflage, uh, uh, tank top pants to hear he's Barry Windham called the stalker in a WWF shirt from like five years earlier and camouflage like Zubaz. But what, what the hell was going on? Was he, a little maybe inebriated backstage and, and kind of like uh, wasn't ready to compete. Where, where, where did this getup come from? Yeah, I remember when he first came out seeing it, I thought was he supposed to be like a fake Hulk Hogan as if it was, uh, uh, you know, there was a fake Diesel and there was a fake Razor. So they had Barry Windham with the blonde, blonde hair and the big mustache and stuff. Yeah, it makes no sense. It was very stupid. Uh, but here on this one, on this actual card... Only two Survivor Series matches. That's a drastic change from years past. Do you like less? Uh, yes. Uh, I think that the, the layout of this uh, 96 card is the way it should always be. There should be maybe one for the tag teams, one for the men, one for the women, and the rest should be like grudge matches. Like it's it, And try and keep it three hours. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, that's why I think this is show is the best one they ever did. And I, I, off the top of my head, I can't really think of any other Survivor Series shows that I liked. I, I have to interrupt myself. I said that there was two. There was actually three on the show, but it doesn't really count because it was a tag team. So when the tag team was eliminated, the other member was gone. And it was the Godwins and the debuting Furnace and Lafon, which you happened to leave off of your uh, you know meteoric uh, moments list. On uh, <laughs> on your sheet against the Bulldog and Owen and the New Rockers, uh, where Marty Jannetty completely, I think he either t- pulls a quad or tears his his thigh or something. He can't he can't even run the ropes, and he's basically eliminated. Uh, I, I think early, uh, but the team is eliminated once he's gone. So that's why I'm not really counting that. It's not really. It's just like a tornado match, not a, a Survivor Series. Yeah, it's and apparently. Furnace and Lafon against Owen and Bulldog was supposed to be was originally planned for WrestleMania. What was thirteen that was to follow? That was to be the yeah. big tag match, but obviously Correct. didn't happen. And then the last one I'm just going to mention before we wrap up. It didn't make it onto the actual show. It was a uh, free for all match. Aldo Montoya, uh, Bob Holly, Jesse James, and Bart Gunn taking on Billy Gunn, Justin Hawk, Bradshaw, Salvatore. Sincere and the Sultan. 
thank you for the Usos. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, this uh, that that was a thing. Why the fuck did they break up the smoking guns if they were then going to do nothing with them? What I remember is it was supposed to be the ascent of Billy Gunn at that point. If you remember, Billy went from the white hat to a like Clint Black, Garth Brooks style black hat and more of a modern like you know businessman cowboy look with the uh the the like a like a blazer uh and bart would remain the baby face bart's the sole survivor of this match mm. but they still shared the same theme music billy and bart and then billy would turn into rockabilly 4 months later 5 months later so made no sense yeah it's it, although that being said i do remember at the time how cool it was to get a free match because uh, we would get the free for alls on yes. the VHS release, right? Oh, you would. Interesting. Yeah. So that that sort of shit, uh, I I did love. So uh, yeah, I mean, all in all, Survivor Series '96, it's a great show at a at a I would call a dodgy time for WWE, and it was a nice sort of, I guess you say, crossover from the new generation into the Attitude Era. So you could see the changes happening throughout the show. We get a new look Undertaker. We get a yeah. we get a a new version of Shawn Michaels by the end of it. It was it was just great. Loved it. Five stars. Yeah, a lot of cursing in that main event. You know, a lot of audible fuck yous from Sid in the uh, in the camera after he uh, power bombs uh, Shawn Michaels on the outside. Pretty yeah. uh, pretty good stuff. So I will uh, I would agree. I would agree. It's a definite changer in the momentum. Uh, if I'm going to give you a suggestion of a match to go watch after this, I'm going to say the wild card match. Yeah. Go watch that. I would, I would agree, and I would also say somebody needs to get me one of those Shawn Michaels hats. <laughs> I think you can go to certain stores uh, in certain parts of your, your city yeah. where uh, they let gentlemen in late at night, and you might be able to buy one. Yeah. Bottom right. Gaylord. Who's that pick? It's called uh, Gaylord's or Us, you know, where the clients shop is. Yes, bot- bottom right, not that there's anything wrong with that. Yes. <laughs> All right, Husey, I love talking about this with you today. Uh, let everybody know where they can find you. Um, at the Husey on Twitter, at the Husey on Instagram, which I would prefer. You follow me on Instagram. You don't need to actually like any of my stuff, but it helps me uh, get interviews for my podcast, which is called It's Husey Hello. Uh, pro wrestling fans have a very good interview with Vince Russo coming up in a matter of days. And if you're a pro wrestling fan, check out Keep No 100 Official on YouTube. Please check it out because numbers are falling. And it's not my fault, but I'm the one that gets the blame for it. So that's all the shit you'll need to hear. Um, they could check us out too, talking about a little uh, Opie and Anthony history, uh, in defense of Opie, a classic It's Uzi Hello episode. Yeah, very good episode set at a Christmas party, which just passed a enormous 1,000 views on uh, YouTube. It's a, it's a success in my eyes. Uh, more coming in the new year with Chad. Uh, I know you're a Metallica guy. Uh, I know you're. we've got an Opie, or sorry, we've got an Anthony Kumi episode coming. Whole bunch of shit coming. Plus, uh, once schedules uh, connect, we're going to try to have a Chad and Hughie special of on get my go. Oh, interesting. I'm, I'm that one. I'm not privy to, but I'm all for it. <laughs> oh yeah. Was just, I was just saying to Durban that like, if you keep having the same people on again and again, then you're going to get the same episode again and again. So mix it up and save bringing everybody back for the big episodes, like at L Christmas time or L new year's episode. I find it see like when you're not there, I I do feel a need to kind of step in to, to bring it up a notch, you know, with with a little bit more. I'm I'm very I'm a fast commenter. I don't like having to wait for people to get their lines out. I like to jump on them. I, I'm not gonna lie, uh, but I do feel that little bit of like, all right, Husey's not here. I gotta I gotta try to bring it up a little bit, but the content is so easy, it kind of just writes itself, and you just got to be good with your timing. <laughs> Strike down one bottom right and two will take its place. <laughs> Am I allowed to make the bottom right shirt since nobody else has? I mean, I think I use it the most of my daily uh, ongoings. <laughs> it, you might as well. I, I've said to, uh, like, obviously I don't know how much it costs, but I think that what's his name? Uh, Durban's missing out on a lot of merch opportunities with uh, Get My Go. There's a lot of quotes 
that could be made into shirts. And of course, bottom right would be written in pink. Uh, perfectly rated is the absolute uh, example of that. I can't believe how many perfectly rated shirts I sold. And there's still some left if people want to get it at ibexclusives.com. Uh, after you check out all my private signings, you can check out the perfectly rated shirt. The remaining stock, I'm not going to make any more after this. See, Husey, I do it all in-house. I got to control the uh, the algorithm. So I know how many shirts are left. I know how many need to go. I'm not dropping them in price. So you got to come and get them while they're getting good. And they do ship to Ireland. <laughs> Yeah, the woman. <laughs> so, uh, if you want to follow me, it's at Chad EMB on Twitter, on Instagram, where is the only place people spend money. It's at IB Exclusives. Uh, again, my website, IBExclusives.com. All my new signings there, including the huge one that should have been announced this coming Monday that I can't say if it hasn't. Uh, but nonetheless, if you want to check out on my podcasting, it's TMPTEmpire.com, RussoBrand.com for the Triple Threat podcast. Eyes up here with Francine on Patreon. And that's all I got. Go enjoy yourself some Survivor Series. You can enjoy Turkey just for the sake of us, but, you know, if you don't celebrate, it's all good. Hope everybody in the U.S. and wherever else has a happy Thanksgiving. So for uh, bottom right, it's upper left. I'll uh, I'll catch you all on the flip side. Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling. What the world is downloading.